0: Backstage gaming is brought to you by a live studio audience. <laughs> Everything I just said was perfect.
1: It's not <laughs> not filmed in front of a live studio audience brought to you by Okay. This is gonna be our cold open, then we'll hit theme song from there. <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome to Backstage Gaming, a new podcast about the intersection of video games and theater. It's more likely than you think. I'm Chris. (laughs) I'm Dylan. And we are a pair of actors, voice actors uh, working in Chicago and we're also big old nerds and we wanted to make a podcast where we sort of take our lens of looking at the world and looking at art that we have developed through working as actors and apply that lens to looking at the games that we love and the things that we love about games. The entire
0: idea behind this podcast is the idea of video games as an interactive medium, just like how you know, for the actor at least, um, performance is an interactive art. It is something that when other people see it, it is a performance that, especially for theater actors, uh, is present and current and alive, and it is happening right in front of you, kind of like how a game reacts to your inputs.
1: And speaking to that, this episode is on a topic that kind of encapsulates this podcast really well because it's something that I noticed about games that I would never have noticed if I was not an actor and I had not been doing this. Uh, We want to talk about the act of score chasing. So you've got your games, especially classic arcade games, but a fair number of modern games too that reward you for good play with those juicy, juicy points at the end of the stage. Mm, Love me some points. And... We're going to look at that and how it is similar to and different from an actor in a rehearsal room preparing for a role. So we're getting right into it right away, and I'm very excited about it. Um, Yeah, it'll be cool. So yeah, no, I think think I'll start. Um,
0: I guess, like, as an actor, the first thing I can say is, like, it is not your project, um, theater especially, but I I think all forms of acting. Um, You are part of a collaborative project. And a huge part of that is that as an actor, your performance is something that is rated and evaluated, particularly by the director. So um, you're always going to want to try to be receptive to your director's input, uh, much like in the way that a video game will give you more points based on whatever the creators deem better, (laughs) cooler rather. (laughs) how
1: how close your
0: play style is hitting to the game's philosophy i guess
1: yeah which is and there's also a level of in any rehearsal room there's a level of sort of self reflection that has to be done you have to mm. as you go forward and as you are getting more and more into a role and further and further into the rehearsal process the director's focus while a lot of directors i've worked with have a very good focus on sort of actors and finding those character moments and finding those beats that work and helping the actors along to make the story the best that they can. As the process goes on, the director has so many things that they have to be keeping in their mind that isn't, what are my actors doing on stage in this exact moment? They have to start working in, like, the set and the lighting and all of those other things that aren't you as the actor on stage. And so that necessitates you also being very self-reflective about what you're doing and very, like, was that the right mood for this moment. Was that the right action I was taking in this moment? Was that tactic working or can I find something more active? All of these things that it's kind of on you to find the best way forward with it. And there's also an interesting sort of parallel of when you're playing a game. If I fire up Sonic or Hedgehog and I'm like, man, I'm a beat Chemical Plant Zone as fast as anyone has ever beat Chemical Plant Zone... I think that's like 30 seconds that's terrifying holy cow what
0: <laughs> i mean like i would have to look up a speed run again like we'll get back
1: like... to my point that's crazy yeah. <laughs> um there's two different kinds of preparation that you're doing on the one hand you're doing rote memorization sonic games you know everything's always in the same place or everything always moves in the same pattern so When you're playing Chemical Plant Zone, it's always Chemical Plant Zone. You're memorizing, by rote, the layout of the level, the layout of the enemies, the layout of the obstacles, so that you can make the choices that make your path through it the best. That's memorization. That is an actor memorizing their lines. What you're also prepping is you're learning the mechanics of the game. You're learning how the game works. You're learning how the game thinks. And that's much more similar to... Being an actor in a room with the other human beings, you've done the rote memorization, you have all the lines, now it's about putting the pieces together. And now it's about reacting in real time to the curveballs that the other actors are throwing you, to the edits that the director is making. It turns it from, I have to learn all of these lines, to, I have to be ready to deliver these lines in the most realistic way, (laughs) even if my co-actor does something very unexpected.
0: Uh speedrunners hate RNG, but like Oh, you I'm know, sure. I'm when, sure. When you're watching when you're watching a speedrun and like something unexpected happens, like I feel like, you know, me personally, I get a little bit more invested cuz I'm like, oh, they didn't anticipate this what's going to happen. Kind of having like these little live moments of, oh, I have to improvise now. You know, in in an actual performance is something that you know, it is it is something real and like it can create something unexpected that draws the audience in even further
1: exactly Uh, it's the difference between going to a show and like an actor walks by and like elbows a vase off the table and everyone keeps going as if nothing has happened like humans do I guess
0: versus happened in
1: one of your shows Not in one of my shows, thankfully, but, like, there's a big difference between watching that when you're like, oh, it's a play, and they're doing the things that they were told to do because it's a play, versus, like, that same moment someone knocks a vase off the table and the actors react to it like people and make, you know, that can sort of become a piece of the scene. They continue with the story. We're not saying, like, stop and be like, oh, Julia, you're always so clumsy knocking vases off. (laughs) But, like, that moment can become a moment of... Real drama and can be used by good actors to add life to this scene by continuing with the action of the play but working around this new obstacle that's been introduced Um, just like RNG in a game that you're trying to speedrun I'm gonna
0: throw this out here real quick so I I looked it up I couldn't find like the current world record but um, the former world record for Sonic Mania Chemical Plant Act 1 is 35 seconds, uh, actually, no, sorry, 34, uh, seconds and then 77 hundredths of a second.
1: Fine. (laughs) Fine. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Speedrunners are nonsense. Yeah, it's, Um, uh,
0: it's crazy. Oh, uh, so, uh, as of this Reddit post in August, August something, don't worry about it, um sonic's green hill zone act one was completed in 28.96 seconds
1: that's ridiculous that's so fucking cool yeah um the most immediate thing like that that you know a moment of rng in a show i was in is two years ago i was in a play called scooby don't Mm -hmm. um i played scooby doo it was great (laughs) i had a like sweatsuit with spots and dog ears and a tail sewn onto it. It was with a production company here in Chicago called Hell in a Handbag that does, like, drag and parody theater. Uh, Super fun show. But the venue was in a, like, dance space above a bar. And this show was running in October. And October of 2016 was when the Cubs were going to the World Series. And we were above a bar. <laughs> and there were a couple nights that happened to line up with Cubs either playoff games or World Series games. And holy cow, you could not hear. <laughs> like, there would be there would be moments when, like, something good baseball happened and the downstairs would <laughs> erupt. Or something bad baseball happened and the downstairs would, would erupt.
0: So, like, that's not even, like, in the game RNG. That's, like... Not a power outage, but, like, the danger of a power outage happening. That's,
1: that's, like, that's like your mom's telling you to come get dinner.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, your sister's changing the channel because they want to watch TV.
1: Exactly. But I had this moment, There's there was a, a moment where, like, Scooby and Skaggy, which was the non trademark name. Which also, terrible, terrible, terrible name, Skaggy. Um, mm. oh boy. Scooby and Skaggy and... Kim Kardashian, I think. This play was wild, guys. We were like tiptoeing through, and Skaggy had this it was the class that like Skaggy sets up the line, Scooby delivers a punchline. Uh, and it was something like, Zoinks, this place is creepy. It's almost like And then I had a line that was, you know, some absurd reference. I don't remember what the actual line was, but one night then the the Cubs fans were being particularly boisterous, I just leaned into it and said, Or it was like he was like, It sounds like and I said a bar during the world series with the chicago Cubs, and the audience lost it they lost their shit it was super fun um so good but um, like i guess like you
0: could even count like audience reception as like a score of its own like uh actually yo 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 uh like paper mario thousand year door like fuck, i mean like yes. obviously it's not <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you i hadn't even considered that yeah yeah like um,
0: the, the audience is a mechanic.
1: <laughs> yeah, for those of you that don't know, the Paper Mario games are buck wild. Like, go and get a copy somewhere of Paper Mario for the N64 or Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door for the GameCube if you can. I don't know how hard they are to find.
0: Maybe Nintendo should re-release their GameCube games. Yeah, if
1: only there was a virtual console. Because, um, like, damn, those games are good. But there is a mechanic in Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door, like... The whole setup of this game is super weird and super Brechtian, and like we'll have to do that at some point. Oh, dude, yes, yes, yes! Like we need to do an episode just on this game. All right, I'm gonna. But I'm gonna there put is a mental note for that. Yeah, do that. Um, but there's a there's a moment, or there's a mecha- there's a mechanic in the game where you have like one of your resource meters is your spe- is your star meter, and you use that to use special moves, and the way that you replenish it is by entering perfectly timed button inputs to make your regular attacks stylish which pumps up the audience that is sitting there watching the fights happen so good (laughs) and it's rad as hell and like i mean dylan i'm sure you you've felt this before there is a huge like rush whenever you feel like you're doing well in front of an audience and it is crushing when you feel like you're bombing
0: yes like I I don't think I don't think I've ever played a game that has captured that feeling more accurately than fucking up in Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door,
1: because <laughs> they get this like little sound like wah, wah sound effect and the audience is like boo and then like three of the Goombas jump away and yeah. leave your show.
0: <laughs> You're like oh no my advantage.
1: God what a great fucking game. Um, <laughs> like uh,
0: that actually completely took me away from the point I had like stored up. But uh okay I think it was um. I guess going back to Sonic real quick, um, and more or less every other game that I'm going to mention from here on out is um, not only not only is like scoring like something like you can use to like think of your performance as an actor. I think you know if you are a gamer who isn't an actor and is just interested in like the writing and thinking of games as like performance, um, scoring in Sonic being entirely based off of speed is, like, a cool way to get in character. Sonic is this character who is able to breeze through these huge labyrinthian levels. He's able to reach top speeds and maintain that. Um, it's something really cool, but also super minor, I guess minor if you're, I don't want to be, like, that guy, but, like, a a more casual Sonic player.
1: If you're a filthy casual. Not
0: how I mean that, but, like, (laughs) you know, like, if you don't play...
1: Filthy casual.
0: If you're not trying to speed run Sonic levels, it's not like as big of a focus as those games. Speed in Sonic is always more of a, it, 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 the way it is utilized is speed is more of a mechanic, not a goal. So yeah,
1: but it's but it is a very cool way that those designers sort of mechanically incentivized you to almost role play as the character yeah, that they have yeah. created. Sonics like, a, super is fast
0: and cool. he's a snot-nosed punk. I want to be like him.
1: Um, <laughs> I want. I want to. I want to pound entire chili dogs down my throat in one fell swoop. Where's
0: that mini game, Sega? We need it. Yeah,
1: give it to me. <laughs> you get. You can make blue. Uh, you can make blue sphere, but there's no hot dog eating challenge. <laughs> I think
0: another thing is um, getting as far as getting into character goes is. Um, Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna save this one for later. Uh, I'm gonna skip to Metal Gear. Um, so Metal Gear is really God. cool in that like you are playing as like a super soldier, um, or not. If you look at Big Boss, it's kind of weird. Um, but the you know you play the entire game, and then once you get through the game, it ranks you based on you know how many enemies you've killed, how many times you got caught, how many times you've died, or uh, continued. Um, And I think the coolest thing about that is that what you are trying to do is you are trying to be this legendary soldier, i.e. big boss in the lore of those games. And I think the coolest thing about Metal Gear is that the highest rank you can get for getting caught zero times, killing zero enemies, dying zero times, like all of that stuff, is the big boss rank. So it, it is the game's way of saying you have lived up to this legendary in-universe character you are just as good as him and therefore the player like the the avatar you are controlling has earned this reputation that he has in the story that is super cool
1: I think Metal Gear is also a fun sort of example of another thing that I wanted to talk about with this mm-hmm. because Metal Gear there's a lot more going on there's a lot more room for like unexpected shit to happen mm-hmm. like you know, correct me if I'm wrong, you've played this game many, many times, yes. and I've, like, attempted to play it once and ran into a security camera in a way that I thought was unfair, and then I stopped. Um, get good! Yeah, I mean, fair. Um, <laughs> but, like, Metal Gear, compared to something like Sonic, has a lot more moving parts. There's a lot more room for... RNG's not the right term, but, like, the unexpected. You, you can get caught in a, um in a
0: tight spot you're right yeah Um, this isn't this isn't as big of an issue in the the ps1 game because uh guards have like this this very rigid pattern and so like once you Mm -hmm. learn the patterns you can you can kind of just go through that game but you know as as the ai has gotten more complex um there's the introduction of the caution stage which i won't get into here but essentially like there is more chances like guards will be searching for you actively so there is it's a little bit more ai based it's not just i'm doing my patrol now so yeah. i th- i think there is definitely
1: um more impro- improvisation as the series went on yeah and that's kind of what i wanted to get to because that's one of the other really cool ways that these parallel each other in you know there are games like sonic and to a certain degree like the soul series where you're getting better but a lot of that is almost rote memorization. Mm -hmm. You memorize where the hazards are, you memorize what the best routes are, you memorize how to get through the world. Um, Whereas something like Metal Gear Solid, like, you know all of that stuff, you're still building that sort of mental model, you're still building that memorized map of how you're supposed to go about it. But as they introduce more and more complexity and more and more potential for, like, oopsie, there's a man there. You're forced to within the mechanics that are provided for you kind of improvise your way through that situation and like that is what as an actor you're trying to get to through rehearsal yeah. like the goal and like obviously there are tons of different like ways of thinking about acting out there um but yeah for we me are talking like talking
0: about like straight performance um
1: yeah like the i i'm not method i think that <laughs> method acting is. Can you can you hear the the contempt dripping yes, from my voice? Yes, I can. I don't, I don't mean to be contemptful about it, but like a lot of people, at least at the very least, a lot of people that are very public about being method actors, cough cough, Jared Leto is the Joker, cough cough, like come off it.
0: I I feel like there are method actors, and then there are method actors who. Yeah, and like, like
1: that—that's what I have a problem with. Yeah. Um. But anyway, like, the, the goal for me, the, the happiest I ever am at the end of a performance is when I walk off of the stage, and I walk backstage, and I have this moment of, like, I have no idea what just happened out there. <laughs> like, I, I have not... You were in a fugue state. <laughs> I mean, but actually, though, yeah, no, no, what I've that means, because <laughs> what that means is that I was being in the moment. What that means is that I wasn't thinking about what I had to do. I had done all the thinking beforehand in the rehearsal process, and now I was just able to go out there and have fun and react in the moment to what was going on around me and what the other actors were giving me. And that's awesome. Like, that is the coolest feeling for me as an actor, is the moment of, like, I could not tell you anything that I did, at least as far as minutia goes out there on that stage I just went out there I just know that happened. I was there yeah yeah I went out there and things happened and I was in character and I did my job like it's a very hard thing to explain but like it's you know the parallel is here it's that feeling of like things are going tits up you've backed yourself into a corner in Metal Gear Solid but you know the mechanics and you know the system well enough that you are able to get out of it yeah with that and then like I've had i Metal Gear Solid not so much for me, but I've had moments like that in games where, you know, for, for I can't me, remember what I did.
0: Yeah, for me, that's more like the arcade action shooters, which I feel yeah. like it's, it's a little harder to, like, justify getting into character there. But, um, you know, I But it's I still think a it,
1: rehearsal. It's still a... it's still you're learning yeah. how the game works and how the game thinks and how you are supposed to operate within it. Yeah, like, uh, Downwell. Downwell's what I'm thinking of. Oh my god, what a fun game. Yeah. <laughs> Like but, uh, seriously, if y'all if y'all have like ten bucks, go on Steam and buy Downwell. It's weird and fun and great.
0: Yeah, I think it's also on consoles now. At least I know it's yeah. on PS4.
1: Um, I think it might Devolver also- Digital makes a lot of really cool games. <laughs> now we're doing our plugs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the zero dollars, Devolver Digital. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, pay us. <laughs> <laughs> And now that we're out
0: of the sponsorship section. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was gonna talk about um similar to Metal Gear, there's also Fire Emblem. Yes. Where it, it's less of Good. like you know it, it's kind of the same thing where like you, you do better the less times you mess up. Um, in all honesty, um you're you're graded on you know not letting people die, getting all the characters you possibly can. But in addition to that, you also get scored on things like how many funds we still have, like how, how good are you at getting other, your units to, honestly, I feel like, you know, having not been a stage manager myself, I feel like that's what being a stage manager is like.
1: (laughs) Was trying to herd cats and keep people from dying. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And like, yeah, I feel Having to put up with bullshit that keeps getting thrown your way.
1: God, honestly, go hug your local stage manager. Oh my gosh! Like they
0: are, they are the real champions. Um, Seriously, was, though. <laughs> when I originally, when I originally jotted down Fire Emblem to talk about for this for this episode, I was thinking like, you know, having be playing through the original Fire Emblem right now, which is a very surreal experience. Um, joining the series at the Game Boy Advance games, trying to play well in like the way that like I am rewarded in other Fire Emblem games in the original has gotten me to like kind of assume the role of Marth more than I would in if I was just playing the game regularly.
1: Like oh
0: this character died, that's fine. But it's like, no, I I need everyone to live. Like so that causes <laughs> me to think harder about my tactics. Um on the other hand, I because the characters aren't as like you know, they're not really characters, they're like they're chess pieces with some flavor text. Um yeah. in the original at least. I feel less bad about like moving on. Also because, like, the chapters are so long and so arduous to finish. But I think that creates this interesting thing of, like... You know, unlike other Fire Emblem games where I will restart if I lose something.
1: I can't... I can't let my sweet baby Rise die.
0: Exactly, like, I... I, need my
1: baby Rise. I I love Rise.
0: Um, But, like... I
1: love, like, 90% of the characters in Path of Radiance. uh, Path of Radiance, dude, so
0: good. But, anyway... The whole cast. The thing is, like... I feel the consequences of my actions. Like, I, when a unit dies, I lose not just, you know, however much EXP I put into that character. I'm also losing resources. Like, whatever they were carrying is gone. Um, not so much in this game, but in future games, I lose the possible opportunity to recru- uh, recruit and meet more people. I am cutting off my connections. Um, it, it, it's it's a really interesting experience, and I feel like if you haven't done an Iron Man playthrough of a fire emblem game that's essentially like if a unit dies you keep going it's really interesting i i recommend yeah, I've, it
1: i've done that a couple times with path of radiance and it's fucking sad yeah oh, <laughs> it's yeah. a sad day because
0: <laughs> like when they're actual characters like you feel more than just like the mechanical or you know the the i'm an army manager loss you actually kind of yeah you're losing a friend
1: i think that there's something interesting done along these lines in i think platformers are cool mm. i think that there's an interesting element of like you have to learn the rules that the world works by you have to practice and put in the time to like come to understand all your options in like something like paper or, uh, not paper mario um super mario 64 like yes that game is all about learning the different ways that you have to traverse the world and learning the layouts of these playgrounds that you have created for you so that you can accomplish your goal. And it's not there's not an element of score chasing there so much as just like in order to beat the game It's
0: it's improving your performance, right? Yeah. You yeah.
1: there's like self self implied scoring. Yeah, yeah. And
0: like It's like a personal thing.
1: Yeah, you have to have that same kind of, like, am I doing this right? Is there a better way of doing this? Do I know the mechanic? Like, can I make that jump? Is there a way for me to make that jump? Uh, You see that a lot in, like, Super Mario Odyssey. Yeah, oh, definitely. Like, people... You can jump to some places in that game. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that game's bonkers with, (laughs) like, all of the... All of the nuts stuff that people have figured out how to get to with the different jump mechanics that you have. And, like, I think that games that allow you to get that deep in... Same with, like, you know, the Legend of Zelda games aren't score-chasing games, but, like, the speedrunner community has turned them into Mm -hmm. that. Like, that's really cool. they are these games that, because of the mechanics and because of their construction, you can kind of find your own scoring metric for them. Yeah. Even if sometimes for, like, in speedrunners' cases, that scoring metric is like, well, can I run through this wall? <laughs> yes,
0: I can. But, I mean, like, even then, like, I feel like... I- I've seen some speedruns, uh, especially at, like, GDQ, where they kind of treat that as a performance.
1: Which like, is super cool. Yeah. Like, it is. you, Especially ones that, like, there are those that are, like, frame-perfect or pixel-perfect, where, like, you have to really have put in the time and know...
0: Yeah, GDQ, what fucks like, up and
1: why fucks up.
0: The, the the audience, like, is informed of the stakes by either the runner or the co-commentator. And then when they pull off this difficult trick, everyone's in the know and there's applause. And I, speedrunning is really cool and I really like it, but I could never do it.
1: Yeah, I think that that's another episode idea coming in. Um, I
0: think that the idea of, like... Episode one is really
1: G- just going to be more of a
0: sample platter,
1: I think. <laughs> I think that gaming... The way that gaming has become a, like, consumable media, like, mm. and by that I mean, like, watching people play games is now, like, it's, it's not just what you do when you're over at your friend Jerry's house when you're 12, it's, like, a form of entertainment that people are making money off of, and, like, personalities are coming out in, and there's, like, that's that's interesting. I think that there's something for us there. Bullet point. Boop. (laughs)
0: That's my bullet point (laughs) noise. (laughs) Yeah, well, hopefully you peeked the mic and then you're like, oh, there it is. I found it. I did not. It's very small. (laughs) Ah. Okay, next on the agenda, we got, um, we got a completion, completionist. Scoring as completionist. Uh, so, you know, it's not enough, like some people aren't satisfied with the game being like, oh, you did this, this, well. Um,
1: Am I right, gamers? Oh, wow, that peaked hard. Oh, let me get another of the... Am I right, gamers? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Everything's funnier when you have to repeat it due to technical difficulties. Oh, man, we're really good at this. I think well, uh, that we I think that our boyish charm will get us through this. Let's hope. Let's
0: pray. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I think that um, you know, there's there's two kinds of things. There's there's two kinds of metrics where like people will grade themselves when they're when they're gaming. There is scoring points which is based on reception and techniques and, you know, all all manner of things. Um it's essentially being judged by I guess, an objective metric, a quantifiable metric. There's also yeah. scoring as like a completionist thing, which is also quantifiable, but it's, it's less of like, I did this this way, so I get this many points, and it's more, I have done everything in this game that I can do. Um, I have found everything, yeah. and the game has seen that and acknowledges that and rewards that. Uh, so specifically what I'm thinking of and what I'm going to visit is Metroid Prime 1st, uh, so, mm. Metric Prime is this cool series. Sorry, where, that was that was you know, far
1: more sexual of a noise than I meant for it to come out. Of my it's fine, mouth.
0: keep it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Metric Prime is this game series where you have Samus, you're, you're really literally stepping into Samus's suit. And I think the coolest thing about that is it, it kind of you learn how to characterize and identify with Samus. Um, and I know identifying with the character you're portraying is not necessarily an acting thing but I you know I think it helps I think it does play its own yeah. role
1: and the game does a really cool thing to help with that where whenever you start that game you see Samus head on and then the camera like pulls around behind and literally zooms into the back of her head like you are stepping into as if role. to say like hey this you now yeah do it
0: like with Metroid Prime you are literally in Samus's visor and you, you kind of get this bigger idea of her uh, based on, like, what the capabilities of her visor are, and also her power suit. But the most important thing, I think, is um, the completionist pursuit, which is the—in uh, addition to the upgrades, uh, finding the upgrades, you also have the visor completion, where for everything you scan, for every, like, little bit of lore you collect, that is its own collectible— and so when you Which
1: is so cool. When you
0: collect all of these things, like, you know, you are awarded, at least in like certain versions of Metroid Prime, I'm not sure if every version has this, but you're awarded with things like artwork, or, you know, you get achievements and stuff like that. So the coolest thing about Metroid is that, like, you are assuming the role of uh, Samus, who is this super perceptive, um, studious character. Uh, she is able to She's able to, like, make notes on these different types of creatures and learn their habits and how they act. And I think that is one of the coolest things about Metroid Prime. And I think the fact that the game incentivizes you to do this, and they really want you to not only explore everything, but discover these new alien species, there's, it, it, it kind of changes uh, Samus' character from, you know, the bang-bang, I'm-gonna-blow-everything-up, character she kind of is in the 2d games like not exactly but you know a lot of the old metroid games is incentivized with like discovering everything by like bombing everything yep (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and completing it as fast as you can there could be wall meat um exactly so what's interesting about metroid prime is that you are you know it's not just about like getting through this labyrinth it's about kind of learning about this forgotten civilization and learning about like what is here now after these this old civilization is left yep. um and that is i i love Metroid prime uh it's definitely one of my top five.
1: Oh, it's so good and there's like just little things Metroid prime came out in goddamn 2002 was it 2002 oh my god it was 2002 and to this day it still has some of the like coolest graphical touches i've ever seen in a game yeah There are certain moments where, due to either light or, like, fog condensing, you will see Samus's eyes reflected back at you in the visor overlay. Um, When you turn the x-ray visor on, you can see her hand making the different, like, shape configurations to uh, change the weapon type that you're using, which those... And those hand shapes match up to the, like, logo for the what the weapon is on your visor heads-up display, which is so fucking cool. So
0: I, I wanted to point this out. If you're playing the game with a GameCube controller, you're even changing her weapon, which is, you know, on her right arm with the, with C the stick right. which is on yep. the right side of the controller, and it's you're so changing good. her visor with her left hand, which is the control pad on the left side of the controller, and... You know, I don't know if they put that much thought into it, but like it's really fucking
1: cool. It's a nice like it's another case of like a game being very good about mechanically incentivizing you to get into character, which is really cool. Also, just a little fun fact because I had I wanted to make sure I knew when this game came out, mm-hmm. November 17th, 2002. <laughs> I I googled it. Metroid Prime has a goddamn 97% Metacritic rating. It earns it. <laughs> it it deserves it absolutely but like good on you Metroid Prime great game can't wait A-plus. for four hope Nintendo shows it off soon hey 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 Nintendo hey hey listen I'm just please. I'm just
0: asking for Metroid Prime 4 I mean it's it's
1: fine that it's not out yet but I I really need news <laughs> all we want <laughs> is Metroid Prime 4 and like maybe a virtual console that's mm-hmm. it. Oh. And like, like like a like a good virtual console. <laughs> that's been our ASMR hour. Uh. That's, ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess
0: from that, <laughs> I'm gonna segue into virtual console's cool, Nintendo's cool, you should re-release your old games like Zelda <laughs> Majora's Mask.
1: <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> Which
0: is also Fucking a game that's... Fucking nailed
1: it. <laughs>
0: um... Something I I, sk- I kind of glossed over with Metroid Prime, but will double down on in Majora's Mask, is the idea of completion netting you a more complete ending. So, the coolest thing about Majora's Mask is how the huge emphasis it has on side quests. I think, like, after that, like, every... Like, a lot of Zelda games have a lot of emphasis on side quests. Um, Wind Waker and Breath of the Wild coming to mind.
1: Mm-hmm. But, um...
0: I think the cool thing about Zelda's Majora's Mask is that completion you if you do not complete the bomber's notebook or I don't think that's necessarily true but if you don't collect every mask you are depriving yourself of scenes in the ending and I think Majora's Mask is, is such an oppressive game it it the plot is literally I have 3 days to save the world before it ends and everyone knows the world is going to end and this is them trying to make peace with that in the time they have given or ignore it you don't know um but i think the cool thing is like because the game wants you to experience all these side stories because that's what majora's mask is it it is a collection of side stories there is a main quest but that is not really the that's not the focus majora's mask is a game about connecting with people it's groundhog's day it is literally Groundhog like, Day. It's Groundhog Day. Like that comparison is days. not
1: new, but it's not like it's not just Groundhog's Day in that you're repeating the same day. It's Groundhog's Day in that you become better at it by learning about the people around you. Just like Bill Murray had to learn about the people around him to not be an asshole. And
0: I think that characterizes, you know, not only does that give that particular link his own distinct flavor of character, but I I think. Well, yeah, I mean, like, that, that was really the big part. But I, I think it also kind of sends this message, which I guess, you know, tacking on more things to this original, like, theater podcast. But I, I guess, like, just the idea of, like, reaching out to other people is something that is really beautiful about Ventura's Mask. And, um, you know, I, I think game designers are able to hide this idea of performance and trying to be better at performing And, you know, using that to tell a message is really cool. And I think, you know, all of the games that I've mentioned so far have done this in some capacity. Uh, Fire Emblem is about responsibility and, like, being able to make hard decisions. Metal Gear is the same thing, but you are on your own. And also, please don't be a crazy murderer. Uh, Sonic Mm -hmm. is just about going fast. That's Sonic, fine.
1: Sonic just Sonic just want to go fast, eat chili dog. Sonic, Sonic is simple, and that's why go we fast, love him. Go fast, eat chili dog, inspire horrific fan art.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think I think all the games we've mentioned so far um, all have some double message to them, um, and the fact that game designers are able to hide that behind little points and other incentives is really cool.
1: Yeah, there's a movement going on, particularly in like the indie game sort of world of making games that are more about story, making games that are more about character, making games that allow for a more nuanced kind of storytelling. But the nice thing is we've kind of always had that. Like, yes, we've always had our, you know, Doom and first person shooters that are like, maybe have a story, but that's not why you play them, or yeah amazing games can have schlocky stories like yeah but there's a lot of there's always been this sort of element of one of the things that makes games special is that you can engage with them and that has allowed for people making games to engage with some really interesting ideas and get people to think about really interesting ideas without being like sit down and read my treatise like Bioshock is, you know, the obvious, one of the obvious ones, where it's like, it is a game about, like, engaging with this idea of objectivism, engaging with morality, but it does that, barring the monologues at the beginning and the end, it does that entirely through gameplay and entirely through holding a mirror up to your actions as a player. Um, We've gotten, we've lost the topic a lot. Oh, Yeah so thank you everybody for listening to our first episode of backstage gaming uh a little bit rambly but we will hopefully be able to tighten our focus uh i think the issue right now is we just have so much that we want to talk about that it's hard to stay on this on topic. Kind of, but
0: we'll this is the sample platter episode <laughs> uh will we'll be talking about theater like i i think like we'll be talking about what we're trying to get at with this episode hopefully that got through to you is that we'll be talking a little about theater. We'll be talking a little about performance, both performing as a character, as an actor, or performing as a character, as a player, and how immersion in video game stories specifically can enable people to reach messages they might not have normally reached.
1: I've got a couple ideas that I also want to bring in less from the video game side of things and more from like the tabletop role-playing game side of things. Cause yeah. I think that that's also an interesting world. Um, yeah every every week we'll we'll do something a little bit different but thank you so much for listening to our inaugural episode um if you like what you heard today if you like what we had to say please 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 uh give us a subscription on itunes leave a review that'll really help us get this podcast off the ground um tell your friends tell your family tell anybody you know who you think would be interested in what we have to say about theater or games or the combination thereof We aren't going to be paying to advertise this show. We aren't going to be paying to put up banner ads anywhere. We're just going to be trying to spread the word on social media. So anything you can do to help us out with that uh, would be awesome. Please feel free to tweet about us using the hashtag, uh, hashtag BSGpod. And yeah, anything you can do to help us get this going forward would be amazing and heavily appreciated. We have a few people we want to thank. Thank you very much first off to our friend Brendan French for making our logo for us. Um, if you like his stuff, if you like what you see there, you can check him out at Brennan, that's B-R-E-N-N-E-N hyphen French Squarespace com. Thank you also to BioQuery for the use of our theme song Dot Sound Radio Volume 1 Instrumentality. Uh, BioQuery is a friend of mine from school. You can find him on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash bioquery. That's soundcloud.com slash uh, B I O Q U E R Y. If you like our theme song, if you like electronic music or weird experimental pop, definitely check him out. He's got some really great stuff. I love it. Um,
0: <laughs> hit us with those URLs. All right. This is Backstage Gaming. If you want to visit us at our site, visit bsgpod.com. That's bsgpod.com. And if you would like to send us an email, send an email to us at back.stage.gaming.cast at gmail.com.
1: There's a lot of a lot of, a lot of dots email there. addresses I would have liked to have that were not available for some reason, so that's the best we got. It happens. Um, our
0: Twitter handle is at BSG underscore cast.
1: Feel free to reach out to us by email if there's any games or topics you want to hear us address. If you're just curious about, like, things about being a working actor because uh, it's weird and there's not a lot of people who talk about it who haven't already kind of made it. Um, our website will probably have, we'll have our episodes up there, obviously. I'm also planning on having page a page dedicated to sort of bios for me and Dylan, maybe links to our personal sites or our personal Twitter accounts. Um, but yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening through our first episode. We hope to hear you That's not true. We hope that you'll listen again next week. (laughs) We hope that you'll listen again next week when we put out our next episode. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, we have been Backstage Gaming. We love you all.